today's workplace podcast disclaimer, JT Wilson. This podcast is intended to provide general information about various recent developments in employment law and human resources best practices. Nothing in this presentation or in the comments of Ms. Johnson, Ms. Shannon, or any guest should be considered as the rendering of legal or other professional advice, and it is not directed at any specific cases or circumstances. Listeners are responsible for obtaining the necessary advice about their specific situations from their own counsel. These materials are intended for educational and informational purposes only. The presentation and these materials represent the opinions of the participants and not those of their law firms or companies. No part of these materials may be printed, photocopied, or otherwise reproduced, recorded, or stored, or transmitted in any form and by any means, electronic, mechanical, or otherwise, without the prior written permission of today's Workplace Podcast. Welcome to Today's Workplace, a podcast created to keep employers current on the latest employment law trends while providing proactive solutions to the everyday issues arising in today's rapidly changing workplace. Is your business prepared for today's workplace? Let's find out with your hosts, Barbara Johnson and Belinda Reed Shannon. Well, let's pivot a little bit and take a deeper dive into the future of the workplace. Okay. So we know that the world has shifted during the pandemic in many um, indeed, most white collar workers work from home during the major parts of the pandemic. So as it subsides, which it's now doing, we'd like to explore your thoughts on how employers should analyze their approach to return to the office. Some employees want to work from home full time and some really want to return to the office. Some employers believe FaceTime at the office is critical to establishing a culture for the organization. So what will the workplace look like for professionals who have experienced working from home for the past two years? Okay. A lot of stuff in that question. First of all, the culture is not your office. Okay. Let's get that out of the way. I like that. Yeah. So, That's a uh, great tagline. Um, right. And, uh, you know, there's many ways to prove that. Well, let's just put that out there. Culture is not your office. Uh, when we went through the pandemic, before we started the pandemic, depending on which data you looked at, it was about 14 or 15% of people work remotely or had some sort of, quote, hybrid kind of relationship where they could work home sometimes and sometimes come to boss office. Sometimes they had four-day weeks, you know, and three-day weekends. There was a lot of different kinds of ways. I actually had a hybrid kind of situation since 1986 for my company. And we still do. Almost all of our employees are remote. So we went from about 14 or 15%, some say a little bit lower percent of workforce to about 42% overnight where people were thrown out of the office. We had 58% who had to come to work every day because they were essential workers, not only nurses and doctors, but you had policemen, fire department, railroad workers, uh, transportation, hospitality. There was lots of things where 58% had to come to work, okay? So now we're coming out of this so-called pandemic, we hope, okay? And we're getting into a situation where people have gotten used to working from home. And 
the people who have been coming to work every day for those two years, they also want flexibility. So the big trend right now is, and we saw this happening even before, people want more control and flexibility over their work lives, whether they're an office worker or they're a frontline worker. We're tired of being told what to do. Not just these anti-vaxxers, everybody's tired of, I can't go to a concert. I can't go to a ball game. I can't fly. I can't go on vacations. I can't go to Europe. I can't visit my relatives in Asia. I mean, there's just, you know, there's all these mandates around what I can and cannot do. We're tired of it. People want more control and flexibility over their lives. And so you got two groups of people. Well, there's many more than two, but you got groups of people who had to come to work every single day and said, I want flexibility too. Or else we're going to start creating a have and have not kinds of uh, workforce where some have flexibility and some don't, which we've had over the last two years. That's a toxic environment. Mandating anything is a toxic environment today. And most senior leaders feel like, well, that's how I got ahead was coming to the office, putting on my suit and tie, doing my commute every day and coming to the office every day. That's how I got ahead. That's how everybody should behave. Uh, I haven't had a suit for years, but anyway, they all think you have to have wear suits and come to the office, but that's very old fashioned. So what, what a company, a lot of companies are doing the good ones anyway, even if they want to have come back to the office, it's a conflict between what CHROs are hearing from the employees and trying to be an advocate for employees and what the CHRO thinks has to be done. And just because the CEO thinks it has to be done doesn't mean it's right, okay? So a lot of the better companies are doing listening tours. They're very much going out there and listening to their employees and what they want, what they think is good. And, you know, really trying to apply some of the learnings over the last two years of being more compassionate, more humane, more understanding of where employees are at right today. And that's what's happening. And so there's a big conflict right now between those who, you know, you got the full extremes of companies to say, you can work all the time remote. Some of you have to, all the time you got to come to the office. And then there's a whole bunch in between. Okay. Yeah, um, and, I, and I think everybody is trying to figure it out. They're struggling to understand what collaboration looks like in today's reality. How you you know preserve the synergies, the the, the very successful synergies that you've experienced in the past in the office face to face. How do you preserve that in this time where employees are asking for more flexibility? Correct. So it's, you know, it's, it's interesting if right now, and I'm not saying this is going to be a year from now, but right now, if you're not purposeful and if you're not listening to your employees, it will have a negative correlation with productivity, with turnover, with attraction. The number one attraction for attracting talent to your company today, and we know attracting talent is a big deal today, is flexibility. Mm -hmm. Now, flexibility is an individual concept. It's not a mandated concept. It's what's, what's flexible means for you, Belinda, is different than you, Barbara, than mm -hmm. me. 
Okay. So it's all about flexibility to attract, but it's all about listening to your employees today. What's going to happen in the future is going to be, there's going to be people who want to continue to have work remotely. And we're going to be able to accommodate that. We already have the technology to do that. We can work anywhere in the world today. I have employees. Some of them are in Peru. Some of them spend the summers in Mexico. You know, it's just, they're just different. Some are actually go on camping tours, but they're still working. They buy these, what do you call them? Things you attach to the car that you drag along, little campers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fifth wheels. Yeah, fifth wheels. Correct. Yeah. And they're still working. Okay. But they're just traveling around the United States at the same time. Some are going to be like that. Some are want to be promoted. Some want to grow and have a career, maybe be the future CEO of the company. That means they will come to the office and play the office politics. Mm. Okay. Because there's still a human condition out there. And many yeah. managers haven't made the transition to being more human and compassionate leaders, what we call people leaders. Uh-huh. They, so they have a hard time. So Belinda, you want to come to the office every day just because maybe your house is, your apartment's too small. It's too, it's too noisy. It's just too much yeah. for you. I want that escape at least when I want it. So I want to come to the office and I want to be promoted too. So I want to rub elbows with Jay. Okay. Because I want to get promoted. Barbara, you love your high tech job and you can work at home. You have a great office. You're not interested in being the CEO or the manager or anything. You just want to work on your projects. And that's, and I want to learn more and keep growing in my IT field. And I can do that better at home where there's no distractions. I don't have all the office distractions and all the office politics and all the office meetings. So me as a manager, I'm going to have a hard time because Belinda, you don't trust Barbara. She's not working. She's watching Oprah. <laughs> Oprah's not even on anymore, is it? It's something like so, Real housewives of something. Real housewives, yes. <laughs> So she's not working. You're working. You're in the office. Okay. So you don't, you don't trust that she's really working. Barbara, you don't trust Belinda because she has the, she has the decision-making ear of the boss. She's Mm -hmm. whispering in the boss's ear and you're not, you're actually being what they call being plagued. Being plagued means if you feel like you have a disease that you're, you know, people want to, don't want to be around you. And so you're working at home and you've got this fear that I'm missing out on something. Okay? Yeah. It's called FOMO, fear of missing yep. out. I call it JOMO is what I think we should be calling it. It's the joy of missing out. <laughs> okay. So you don't have to play all those <laughs> politics and have all that stress. Right. But that's the human condition. So I, as a manager, have got to know what's in Belinda's mind, what's in Barbara's mind, and all my other team members and communicate across that I'm measuring uh, Belinda's productivity and Barbara's productivity the same way. Belinda may have the upper hand for a promotion though, because she's in the office every day. And mm-hmm. you have to accept that, Barbara. You follow me? Dude, so, yeah, yeah, it's that proximity bias. Absolutely. Effect. In I fact, do. we just had a podcast, we were talking about proximity bias and uh, mm-hmm. it's still there. It's a human condition 
just like culture is a human condition, the work environment also, you can have all the policies and programs and make them as logical as possible. But the human, you know, carbon-based life forms are pretty complicated and they will throw you curves every single day. Right. And it's up to the manager today. That's why we call them people leaders. Right. To really understand what's going on in their team listen to their team, have more compassion, humanity towards them, yes. more, agil- more agility. They've got to be talent developers. They can't rely on HR to do it. Mm-hmm. I need to be a talent developer as a manager. I got to know what that means. I yeah. got to be measured and rewarded for it and trained on how to do that. So I had to be your, both of your coaches and mentors. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, You use the term people leader and I do, you know, and you've given some attributes of people leaders, but how do people leaders of today differ from leaders of yesterday? And what do you think leaders of tomorrow will look like? Yeah, well, that's a great question. I think most, when I call, when I'm talking people leaders, I'm not talking senior leadership here. Mm-hmm. I'm talking people who lead teams, middle managers, first line supervisors, mm-hmm. people who lead teams, they're people leaders. I think in the past they were quote unquote people managers. Mm-hmm. Okay, not people leaders. Warren Bennis, and I may get Warren's quote wrong, said managers do things right, leaders do the right thing. Mm-hmm. So managers, people managers, do things right. They want consistency. They want predictability out of their people, just like they do the widgets that come down the line. They want consistency and predictability. They don't want to have to manage people because people are inconsistent and unpredictable. So they leave that up to HR. Okay. So HR develops all the policies and programs and a manager can say, I'm following that policy. I'm following that program. Here is the manual. We have to do it this way. It's consistent, it's predictable. They were people yeah. managers. I think oh, during the uh, pandemic, we saw good people managers shift to be people leaders where they did the right thing for their team. Mm-hmm. I just did things right, but they did the right thing. So I remember one manager on one of our phone calls and we were having uh, our peer-to-peer network calls every day where hundreds and hundreds of companies were getting on talk, telling their stories. And I just, one story stuck out where the manager said, you know, I surveyed my team early and I have a big team. I served them early to learn what their daily schedule was like during the week. And so when were they doing homeschooling, when they were doing elder care, when they had to do this, when they had to do that, so I could schedule my meetings when it didn't interrupt that other stuff they had to do during the pandemic. And so they were doing the right thing. I remember even before the pandemic, this is one very large company that's in the news all the time. It's a Fortune 50 company, it's huge. And senior leadership team, we were having discussion about trends and we were talking, this was before the pandemic, we were talking about flexibility. And this, this was the senior leadership team. Everybody was saying, we cannot have all this work from home. We are a government contractor. There's a lot of secrets we work on. We cannot have people just working from home. It just will not work. 
And we were, they were getting in a very heated discussion and most of them were in agreement. That's not going to work. This is before the pandemic now. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, one of the senior leaders say, she said, you know, I think I'm a, I'm a pretty afraid to say this. For the last few years, I was giving my whole team any flexibility they wanted. And you never knew it. Ooh. Wow. Ooh. Productivity in our team did not diminish one single bit. And you never knew it. Mm. And everybody just, whoa. <laughs> you know work. jay i think we could have a conversation with you about once a day exactly and, uh, <laughs> not exhaust possibilities of what we can can chat about well, but we, great resignation is another thing that yeah that was that too. was where i wanted to go in the time that we have left you know the great why are people leaving and should employers just give up and resign that themselves to the fact that you know people are just going to leave what steps can employers take to? So, the great resignation that? is, it, it could be called the great reshuffling more than a great resignation. Mm. So, the government has been tracking quit rates for a while since about 2010, maybe even before that. They hadn't been following quit rates before, but they follow quit rates. And what they found that quit rates were always about 2.4% of the workforce, maybe 2.6. During the pandemic, it went down to about 2.2% of the workforce was quitting. After the pandemic, there was pent up demand for people to reshuffle. And we went up to about 3% of the workforce. We're about 2.8% of the workforce now. So we do this a lot. And other consultants and other people do this too. They use data to create sensationalism. So I can show you slides that I use that said that 77 million people have quit their jobs. You're gonna say, whoa, Jay, that's ridiculous. But it's only a slight increase from the 2.4% before the recession, it went up to 2.8%. Yeah. But the total numbers, because also the size of the workforce has been increasing too. Right. right. Yeah. Unemployment has been dropping. The number of job openings because the size of the workforce is increasing. And so you're seeing every time that you see and, and we have an inverse relationship to what is normal. What is normal is you have unemployment and the number of job openings are less than the amount of people that are open. Today, we have more job openings than we have unemployed. And we have a slight uptick in the number of quits. Okay, so the number of quits, the reason why people are quitting, are the same as they were since we've been tracking this data in the 1990s. Okay, it's compensation. And so, if you look at the whole workforce, it's about 2.8 percent has been quitting last month. So I think it ticked up to 2.9 percent last month. In the retail trade and in the accommodation in the hotel trade, it's up around 5% and 6% of that workforce has been quitting. That's where most of the quits have been happening. And it's more of a reshuffling. They're taking jobs because of compensation. Yeah. Yeah. They're taking jobs because uh, the companies that they were in did not have, there was no lack of development. There was just no development. And so they would go to a company with better compensation, better development. And they wanted to leave that lousy SOB boss that they were working for. And they would like to work for a company with a better reputation. Okay. Those have been the same 
for 25 years for a reason why people quit, especially during the first two years. Okay. Yeah. So that large turnover, it's usually in the first year or the first two years. Okay? Right. After about five or six years, okay, the reason why people stay and the reason why people quit shifts a little bit, okay? You have more shocks that come into the environment for quits. Uh, my spouse got a job in another city, so I'm going to follow her to another city, which doesn't mean any difference today. You can work remotely, but back then it was one of them. Oh, I'm going back to school, or mm -hmm. I have to take care of my elderly grandparents, or... I have this childcare responsibility now that I didn't have before. So yeah. there were different, what we call them shocks. Today it is toxic culture. And mm -hmm. in fact, toxic culture is one of, is the number one reason why people are quitting today. 74% of people would rather work for a company with a better reputation. So the confluence of your purpose of your company, look at a company like Patagonia. Their purpose is to save the world the environment. Mm -hmm. okay? Their culture matches that. Okay. And yeah. so they do things for their employees to save the world and they want to save the world. And they're, right. you know, that's why they work there. And their culture matches that. And they, they pay people well, they develop them well, and they have very good bosses that match that culture. And they have an employee brand that also matches that. So they're in alignment. Right. Yeah, better, better companies with better reputations. In fact, they, you know, you'd rather go for a company with a better reputation, leave your toxic environment and get a pay raise. Right. Um, so it's, you know, there's a, a lot of things happening right now. There's a lot of consultants throwing around the raw numbers. 77 million have quit their jobs. We do that too. 76 million, 76% of our recent survey said, that the lack of skills and a lack of talent is hurting them executing the strategy. They say that expect they expect more people to leave the organization over the next year. I mean, there's huge numbers. But when you look at the percent of the workforce, as you know, and I could show you a slide that really illustrates it if you really want to see it, but it doesn't make any difference. Yeah. It, it's just you have when you're looking at your own corporation, you have to look at who's quitting. Mm -hmm. okay and why are they quitting right okay. yeah and so, and yeah and the like you said the tenure is pretty significant also so mm -hmm. who's quitting in those first two years who's quitting beyond that and what Absolutely. are their different reasons i think that was that's very significant Absolutely but right. you know jay inclusion, I, I, inclusion is one of the things that caused or the lack of inclusion and belonging mm -hmm. is one of the big reasons for toxic cultures today by the way yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, the, the, in my profession and the, the things that I'm doing nowadays um, and other colleagues in other industries and whatnot, that is absolutely the major uh, topic of conversation and figuring how to do that successfully for a company. Uh, but I, I tend to agree with uh, Barbara. We could talk to you every yeah. day. We, we, um, <laughs> we didn't get to the topic that's really hot on my mind, which we're going to have to have another session. session. So here we go. So, I want to talk about all these different generations that are in the so world. Very quickly, let me, we won't have another discussion. So I'm going to give you a quick answer. I've done research on Gen X, millennials, Gen Z, baby boomers. And over my years, I've done tons of studies and all of them. 
and I do not believe in generational research. Oh, that's okay. okay. So the thing is, Aristotle said that young people are going to be the ruin of civilization. <laughs> Every time we have a tight labor market, we worry about attracting and retaining young people. Because mm -hmm. young people, they're, they're, what motivates them is very different. Right. Once you get married, have a children, have a mortgage, have a car payment, right. what motivates you is very different than when you're single in your 20s and you're out there trying to have fun and do your thing and find your passion. Yeah. Change it completely. As you grow older, it even changes more. So now I have to worry about my kids going to college. I have to worry about this. I have to worry about my parents. I have to worry about my retirement. Age has a bigger impact on what motivates you to want to work for a company or stay with the company than mm -hmm. uh, generational characters. In fact, if I did some stereotypes, the, the, all the stereo, and I used to have fun giving these presentations because I could give generational stereotypes that make people roar. Okay. They would laugh because they're so funny. <clears throat> if I gave those same generational stereotypes and I was giving a presentation on women in a workplace, they would hang me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're Stay talking about a that. whole group of people that you're giving a generation, you're giving a stereotypical generalization yeah, around yeah. that is not true for individuals. Ah, it's important to individualize work today, whether you're a manager or a people manager or whether you're in HR. Okay. And it's the individualization of and respecting you, giving you respect, giving you autonomy, giving you flexibility, listening to you. If I want you to come to the office, I had better have a very good purposeful reason for you to come to the office and explain yeah. to you and listen to you why you know, some days it's not going to work for me, dude. Uh, <laughs> uh, just the way it is. Yeah, but we have the trailer. We have the trailer for our next discussion we with do. Jay Damrock. Thank you. Uh, Thank so you, Jay. This I is remarkable. Thank you so much. Um, and we look forward to our next discussion. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care. I appreciate Bye. it. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Today's Workplace with Barbara Johnson and Belinda Reach. If you like what you heard, click subscribe so you don't miss out on future updates and episodes. For more information about today's episode, check out todaysworkplace.com. That's T-O-D-A-Y-S-W-O-R-K-P-L-A-C-E.com.